gosh. Okay, we'll cut that out. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Girls Talk Comics. This is Erin, your master of mediocrity, shaking things up today. I've got my wonderful, beautiful, fantastic friend Mitch here, and I'm going to let Mitch tell you about Mitch himself. Hello. Hello, all you beautiful people. About me, let's see. I have a bachelor's degree in linguistics, which I'll never use, and that's that's fine. <laughs> I currently own a photo editing studio that I sort of came into and upon and ended up with. And that's really fun. Um, not during pandemic wedding season, but normal wedding season's pretty groovy. I also now work in IT for the university that bequeathed me with my bachelor's degree, which is a fun little taste of irony that I love because I'm taking their money to pay it, to pay them back. <laughs> it's a beautiful cycle. Like it's toxic as heck, but I really love that they're paying you to fix their computers, and you're paying them for teaching you something you're not using professionally yeah that's okay i i i realized pretty late like the last week of my degree late that if i finished my bachelor's degree in linguistics and then i continued on to a master's degree and then continued on to a doctorate i would be teaching the same class i was taking and it got a little bit into uh academia begets academia and I truly could not see myself going into a the middle of the Amazon rainforest and writing down uh, phonemes from an uncontacted Amazonian tribe, which would probably kill me. Yeah, um, I'm really glad you didn't do that because then we wouldn't yes. be here. And yes. also the hamster wheel of macadamia. Macadamia? That's a word macadamia. now. Academia sounds just tedious and toxic and... I, having gotten my master's, cannot, in good conscience, advocate for anybody to go and get their master's. I mean, people can do it, and that's fine. Get your doctorate. Get those, get those letters on the end of your name. I respect the shit out of you. But I got to tell you that me personally, when you have a master's degree in linguistics, you go out there and, and you, you do the thing. And the the biggest sort of adventure I get in my in my daily life is when it snows out my window, I live on a hill, so I get to see all the cars slide back down the hill. And that that's like the highlight of my year right there. And that's about <laughs> as adventurous as I get trudging out there in my in my coat, talking to the driver of a fantastic little uh, rear wheel drive muscle car um, and reminding him that physics does exist on this hill. And suggesting he go the long way round. I don't do mosquitoes. I don't do giant bugs. I don't do weird slithery things or hoppy things or pointy things. Uh, I have whatever the phobia of exoskeletons is, are. (laughs) I'm not a fan. Hard pass. And there are better people than me to do that. I'm going to stick my fat behind in a chair and take phone calls and fix printers. And I'm okay with that. Hey, Jess also has a linguistics degree. And she's doing a podcast with me, so it's a pretty valid option. Uh, I mean, it really it helps. You to I, I places. Yeah, and I mean, it's cool. It's fun. I learned a lot. It's great. Well, I'm glad you joined me today. We're going to be talking about Adventure Zone Book Three, 
pedals to the metal. Obviously, we're jumping in at the middle of a series, not at the beginning. I think some of the listeners are used to jumping in at the beginning, but we picked pedals to the metal. Well, we'll talk about the reason, but do you kind of want to summarize the plot up to this point? Kind of what? what Yes. Yeah. Tell us about the book. So I'll tell you about the book in that we're going to start from the very beginning. Um, just after the universe was created, the deity of your choice imbued the world with uh, three McElroy brothers and a father. And they together have created a podcasting empire of many different shows and offshoots and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, they are they're quite prevalent in the communities um, and they have uh, started this D&D podcast. And it's important to keep anything I say after this in mind that they are a family and they are a non-toxic. They are a family unit you should look up to. They have good interactions. They have positive motives and information in everything they do. It is very female conscious androgyny is an option for a male character which is sometimes not a thing that people do a lot mm-hmm. in D. um when you're a, a man you take the man option with the big axe and do your barbarian rage but yeah um, they're very to a lot of people gender sexuality body positive and even yes. when it comes to ability and disability they uh, that really stuck out to me on their podcast and what they tried to do as creators. Kind of going off of their family dynamic, I love that they can kind of do this creation together because people talk about working with friends versus like partners right, and right. being able to work because they make money off of this as a family means that they have the skills to communicate, criticize, and hopefully not be offended yeah it also helps that daddy dearest is a or was a radio talk show personality for a long time that's fair so right and the rest of them have all kinds of varied careers and stuff but they came up and they created a lot of stuff adventure zone was not even their first foray or probably their fifth but it was probably the thing that got them sold out stages where they can perform live versions and they can perform one-offs and mm-hmm. specials. And they it sells out almost immediately everywhere. That's amazing. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it is, it's just incredible. And the Adventure Zone series started out as a simple, standard, like, D&D. We're just going to try it out. And it's like a small arc and just go from there. And they did that. And it was pretty fun. And then the DM, who was the youngest brother starts adding in extra stuff and feels like it isn't very interesting. And truly the first couple episodes, not that interesting. That's so much true. so that on on Spotify, they have a super cut that's like 30 minutes long. That's like, here's what you need to know. Uh, best of luck. <laughs> and then I'll spoil it just a little bit, but not too bad is, you know, at the end of one of the first or second episodes, they magically somehow technologically get to a moon base that isn't the moon. And it's really interesting and fun and crazy. And that is the exact moment when Griffin McElroy suddenly decides that he's going to go ahead and do a homebrew, which is not typical. Most people just try and stick to the book and roll their dice and and hope they don't get their heads cut off. Head cut off? Both heads. Anyway. Um... (laughs) (laughs) And Griffin was like, no, 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 we're going to take this so far out of left field 
There's creature romances that are not typical. There is heightened intelligence in creatures that shouldn't have it. There's a lot of things going on here. And, you know, the first, you can read the third book just like we have without the first two and you'll you'll get it and it's a great story and it's fun but read the first two and yes. and even maybe before that you should listen to the podcast because or both definitely a huge portion of this yeah sure the first couple of pages of every one of the books it says okay what level they are and funny things about them and what what extra things they've got or what their level up is or something funny so it's not like you're completely out of the dark but you don't get half of the actual funny things that happen unless you've listened to the podcast and can make those connections. It Like in one of the other episodes, uh, books, um, they when they first get to the moon base, there's a sign that says, no dogs on the moon. And that's a running joke throughout the entire podcast that they don't address in the book other than that one sign is there's no dogs allowed on the moon. Stupid, ridiculous, off-the-cuff commentary. It's absolutely fucking hilarious and this entire series is full of it every one of their books every one of their commentary or even in so in this in this book in particular they talk uh they're suggesting that the father figure who is a dwarf cleric yes yes, who is a dwarf cleric he is his trope is that he always uses zone of truth instead of like healing anybody (laughs) um kind of like donald from from kingdom hearts Yes. Um, Donald, heal me. Thundiga. No, please. And so there, there's an entire page where they're just trying to suggest to him to convince him to use zone of truth so that something can happen. And he's just not getting it. And that happens in the podcast. And it's a funny running joke throughout. Mm-hmm. And if you're just seeing this here, you'd be like, yeah, they're trying to suggest zone of truth. But OK, whatever. You know, I do have to say, yeah, it's definitely a book that if you had listened to the podcast, you would love the book. Uh, for all of the end jokes 100 percent. i do also think that as a series it's something someone who hasn't listened to the podcast can pick up and enjoy because they really keep the narrative there and they do keep a lot of the humor there and certainly picking up book three and starting there you wouldn't get the zone of truth joke but they build up to it in book one and book two as well and i and yeah I think that's really great. When they adapted it over to the graphic novel form, I love that they tried to maintain the side conversations, the commentary as much as possible. It's much more concise. It's a lot less snarky because they only keep the character voices, not the out-of-character voices as much. Uh, Right. But they they keep it solid. They keep it there. I'm going to talk a little bit about the plot of book three real quick, just in case Definitely. as we make references to it. So this is going to be where the spoilers happen. As you mentioned, they are on a moon base. And this moon base is for a secret organization that's trying to collect magical items across this fictional, magical, high fantasy world. Our heroes are then sent out across the countryside to retrieve these magical artifacts. In book one, they're mostly getting attached to the base. Book two, they go for their first magical artifact. Is that correct? Uh, they get the first magical artifact unbeknownst to them in book one. Oh. But book two is the is the train journey. So, I mean, that's, that's completely true. unusual. 
in in and of itself. Yeah. But yeah, basically it's one artifact per book. Uh, so this is yeah. the third artifact. Third artifact. And they are sent off into a city to find this person who has this gold belt. cliff. Gold cliff, that's right. Uh, they're looking for a belt. You don't really know much about Goldcliff when you first arrive, which is fantastic. But your first exposure to this magic item is this building overrun with vines and kind of this really nature-themed magic. It's beautiful, wonderful. You get introduced to the villain. You get introduced to another hero. The hero NPC is like, all right, so this villain is really into these cart races. (laughs) And... They're all magical, they're underground, they can be particularly violent, and you got to run them with a team. So this leads to a small heist where they have to go steal an engine, which is also hilarious both in the book and in the podcast. Truly. Then it leads to a death race of sorts, which is fantastically adapted over. Like, that art and the timing, it just made it... It kept the absurdity. It kept, uh, it was just peak. As you might expect, the heroes win the race all as well. This is where I think you and I can agree. This is where the book did better than the podcast. Uh, the podcast during this arc, I felt didn't really communicate the love story well because there is kind right. of this under underlining romance in here between the NPC. And another NPC, but the graphic novel made me cry <laughs> because no, of entirely. how well it was done. And not just like the ending commentary and the very end of it and how it like wraps up, but when I listened to it, I remember, you know, my favorite arc of the Adventure Zone listening to it is the next one, which is uh Crystal Kingdoms, plugged for sometime in July twenty one. But this one, Pedals to the Metal, not my favorite. Actually, my least favorite. My least favorite of all of them listening to the podcast. And I always remembered it as some pretty fun gags here and there, and then a pretty intense and technical cart race that was a little bit much. And I couldn't really grasp exactly what was going on in the way that you can in the book, which is great. And I like like you, I, I teared up right at the end and like a lot of what was going on and it made you feel it made you feel a lot and you have a lot of emotions and heart regarding all of these characters that are involved and it's it's a beautiful sort of situation and even if you know where it's going even if you can can see into the future or skip about 220 pages (laughs) um you will still get hit with it and they still sort of play with it and that's how i mean the story is amazing but the art style really brings it all out. And mm-hmm. you can imagine what Sloane is supposed to be like. And even at the very end of the book, after it's completely finished, they do submitted art that folks have put in. And everyone has a different drawing of these characters as they do not have a visual representation. And you're just listening to what their vague descriptions are. Even even down to race and things like all of the all of the podcasters, white white boys. Uh, so you would kind of assume that most of them would be white, but there's a really good mix of races and skin tones. And even like a key character from book two, Angus McDonald, the boy oh. detective, which is a fan favorite Angus. and has been basically on every stage production they've done. He's black. That's And in the books, 
in the book he he's black because they have to make those sort of creative decisions and that's a very positive and interesting decision that they didn't have to make no they could make everyone simpsons color and call it a day but they didn't they chose to make certain things happen and Mm -hmm. they chose i mean even like i really love that about the McElroy brothers and carrie peish peitz I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Carrie. I'm so sorry. You could find Carrie <laughs> on Twitter at at Carrie Draws or all of the work of all of them together, making these decisions about the characters and their designs, their body shapes, scarring and wounds or ability disability. It's just, I love that they're so body positive and they're trying to do their best to represent persons of any and all kind of identity mixes like they are wanting to hit that crosshair of just as much variety as possible and i i really love when creatives lean into that because i love when creatives lean into it so much that you don't realize it oh yeah because it feels natural you can you can pick up this book and you're like well i'm just gonna go ahead and assume they're all straight and move on from there and then all of a sudden taco makes a reference to who's that daddy and or something you know something yeah. along those lines and the guy who plays his father the character that plays his the character that is his in real life father who on the podcast is like what do you mean daddy i'm right here and it's like no <laughs> no 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 you missed the point and you get that in the sense that oh this guy is not heterosexual is this is this guy a guy I need to know pronouns. I need to make things happen. I need to. Do you really need to, though? Because you meet one of the main the main NPCs that's in here, Hurley. Correct. Mm-hmm. I'm bad with names. Oh, me too. Um, Hurley, for a vast majority of it, is androgynous as hell, and I love it. You don't know mm-hmm. whether Hurley is a female individual, a male individual, an androgynous individual of, of, of some mysterious origin. And I think it's beautiful and great. And there are some instances where other characters use they or some other characters use she. And it kind of actually depended on how familiar they were with, uh, with Hurley as a character, which I found was kind of interesting. I never noticed that. I'm going to have to Because do the a... captain refers Maybe. to Hurley as they. As huh. they. I th- I'm pretty sure you can that's at least what I got from it in many many circumstances uh, especially toward the end but and S- Sloane of course the other character the other NPC that we're really focusing on is has very feminine features and mm-hmm. so it ends up becoming if Hurley identifies as a female then it would be a sort of lesbian situation here yeah Um, very generally you can make a lot of decisions in here there's a lot of creative direction but hurley on the street very very androgynous and i really appreciated that because i didn't know and it was fun to not know and not to and to instead of just assuming characters were waspy (laughs) as, as sometimes is the case um you look at this character and you go i have no fucking idea 10 out of 10 I want to see what it. happens. Yeah, Carrie does a phenomenal job, and I I would imagine they worked very, very closely with the McElroy family, and I just, I remember listening to one of the episodes, to quote Justin, who plays the character Taco, Justin is, I think he currently identifies with he, him pronouns, 
I can easily find him on Twitter and just check. But I remember him talking about developing Taco and wanting to kind of explore that androgynous, I think, queer side of his identity. And I know a lot of people use D&D characters to explore different aspects of their personality, different aspects of identity, present different sides of themselves in a safe situation. So I really loved listening to him talk about that and what it would be like to do that. And he even was talking about how do I safely introduce this without him becoming a stereotype? How do I do this in a non-offensive manner? He, I mean, he was taking the development of Taco very, very seriously. I think both for himself as a player and for listeners. And I thought that was really influential or really highlighted the care and consideration the family was making and the development of the story and all of the characters and who they were doing. I I loved all of the things they were exploring with their characters yeah. and bringing to and the table. I mean like we've talked about they themselves as human beings as on the street folks are you can say they're they're liberal but really they're just a big pile of non-toxic mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. they make you feel good they you don't feel like you'd be offending them uh, but you also know that it's it's empowering it's empowering to see see travis with a beard and purple glasses and fingernail polish and living his uh his best life and it's it's just really it's really good and adventure zone if i played it with my friends i love them all they're great uh but it would be an absolute fucking nothing it wouldn't be nearly as good because you're feeding off that familial bond that Mm -hmm. that backstory those jokes the humor and you just don't get that. No, I mean, no matter what you do, you there's been a sixty five Batman's um, rounding up, and <laughs> I can tell you that they're all Batman. It's fine, from your Robert Pattinson to to your to bat nipples. Oh yes, yeah. to bat nipples. Yes, and to Adam West. Uh, ten out of ten, George Clooney. <laughs> George Clooney. Um, all of them are Batman. It's fine, but you, I. I do not know anyone that can play Taco better than Justin McElroy. Oh, I 100% agree. And we are in a D&D group together, but we're in a massive group. Like, I think at most we had eight. eight. Seven. Yeah. Seven, and I th- we had some great back and forth. And I loved when... Uh, so, backstory for listeners. Our group is made up of three couples and two single people and my other half is the dm (laughs) and everybody else is a player so there's some really great dynamics that come into play and i love when personal dynamics come into the group because of how you could always tell that's happening based on how players team up (laughs) oh yeah oh my god well and and i i don't i my partner does play D D with us and i my character treats his character like shit, mm-hmm. like just does not, does not care about him. My character is furiously bisexual and a partier, and that is not who I am. I do not party. I I do not get drunk in public, but um, but my D&D character definitely broke down a door <laughs> with a, a battering ram while intoxicated, and it was 10 out of 10. It was it great. It was amazing. Um, so, I mean, th- I mean, it's, it's, 
it's always fun to play with your friends, play D&D with your friends and make things happen. And it's just as fun to listen mm-hmm. to them play it because, yeah, you're not a McElroy brother or sister or, or sibling, but it feels like it. You can feel the tension between all of them. You can see all the, the little ins and outs and jokes and familial things. And you don't have to know what their nicknames are, but you can understand right. their dynamic. And it just comes so, through so clearly along with their characters, which come through incredibly clearly at all points. You know what their voice is. You know how they're supposed to be. You don't have to have a backstory on all of them, but you know that that Taco is a little bit pretentious and a, and a mage and, and doing things, but is also kind of like, you know, yeah, flighty. I was also going to go with how the dynamic differs because they have known each other all of their lives. They can respect and openly communicate theoretically. Theoretically, I am presuming some stuff, but the way the story (laughs) went and what they were able to talk about character development might not be that much of a stretch. They can talk about their boundaries better. And I think they do because of how they talked about again, their personal influences on characters. Right. You and I, despite having known each other for years, will not know the specific influences of our characters. Unless, of course, we're drinking, playing D&D and become too emotional and talk about it. But, right, right, um, right, right. <laughs> you know, there, there are topics that, certainly with eight people in the group, don't recommend that party size no matter how much you love your friends, it's going to be hard to figure out where are the boundaries, what lines can we cross, can't we cross, and if we do cross them, how do we handle that? You know, how do we talk about that as friends? How do we talk about that as players? And it, yeah, I think that natural vibe that came from being family cannot be replicated by just a casual friend group. It's just, right. yeah. And just like if you want a if you want to learn to play D and D and you want to understand the base rule set and the the lore behind it and not just the casual Asmodeus commentary or uh, pan references or something, you'll go go watch Critical Role. Yes, there you go. Yes. Do that. I highly yeah. suggest it. If you want to listen to something that is hilarious and fun and listen to it on a road trip or when you're doing something else or just around the house and it's entertaining. I mean, not to say that critical role isn't entertaining because it surely is, Mm -hmm. but this is entertaining in an absolutely batshit level. Oh my God. Yeah. It's completely story. Yeah. It's grounded in nothing other than Griffin McElroy, who is the DM and youngest brother deciding that, this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. He's the one that decides. Yeah, Just like there's a scene where Taco is like, so exactly how heavy is this vehicle? And, you know, suggests that it should be, is it less than 500 pounds? Um, and the DM goes, okay, sure. It's 499 pounds. As the DM pops up in a little like speech bubble thing, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And... Then Taco casts Levitate, and the DM's like, okay, well, I should have seen that coming, of course, <laughs> um, which you should have. And it's it's just sort of fun. And even, like, the ways he pops up, like, there was a screenshot I had taken where the DM literally is popping up out of someone's head or hat or something. I don't know if you saw that. 
where he there's like a, a mantis character and the oh DM has yeah. popped right out of his head, which it, it's just it's just funny yeah. um, because that's just another random NPC. And also like the, the binoculars he's using to do this, say uh, fantasy binos. So, I mean, it's it's just it's just fun. It's meant to be completely nonsensical. And if it serves the story. They're going to do it. Critical Role will probably do that anyway, but within a little bit more stringent guidelines. This is straight up like, I think. oh, you want me to make this thing? Sure, fuck it. Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. I think Critical Role also commits to consequences more than Adventure Zone does. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I think Adventure Zone stands out. I'm a fan of both before anybody right. gets upset. I am a fan of both. But only one has a three-part book series with a fourth on the way. That's true. I will be completely honest. There are Critical Role comics, and I don't think they're as accessible. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, they're not as accessible. They're origin stories for the characters. Uh, oh. And I think the Adventure Zone books are really, really great if you've never listened to the podcast but want to read a good story. There is definitely a context yeah. that comes with the podcast, but... It's not needed to understand anything. Critical Role is really great to listen to if you want to be a DM or like a very, if you really want to do the role playing, getting in character thing. I think they're both great at that. I think Critical Role has, with more players, more diverse cast. And I think mm -hmm. that's really cool. Adventure Zone is a just a phenomenal story. And it really kind right. of shows how as a DMR creative, you can kind of disregard the rules to get what you want. Like, a, right. they highlight the plot more in Adventure Zone than they do in Critical Role. And that is just, it fills a different gap. And I like both. I like re reading one over the other. <laughs> right. And I mean, if you start, if you're listening to this and think, this sounds great, I should probably listen to the podcast first. Cool. Either way, but this, I mean, yeah, sure. And I will tell you right now that you can get 70, 80% through the, through all of the episodes of this, this Taz situation, which is the Adventure Zone Taz, um, this, which the books will cover uh, before they switch to a different D&D type system. That's a completely different story. But like this whole arc, you can go 70, 80% of it. And you will have absolutely no clue where it's going to end up. Oh my gosh. And that's both scary and fun. And because when, you know, why did they get sent to Goldcliff? Well, there's a thing there. We don't even know. Um, why did they get sent on this this train? Well, there's a thing there. You, you, you know, whatever. And you as the listener, you as the reader are in the exact same spot where it's like, so you call it the Gaia Sash, and we know it does something with nature. That's about it. And we know it's somewhere in this place. <laughs> and you as the reader are also in that spot. Or mm -hmm. You as the listener are also in that spot. And sometimes I always feared that he was just sort of making it up on the fly, but it ends up being very nicely packaged. Each mm -hmm. of the mini arcs, which is what all the books are, nicely packaged. And they make you feel something that... I, I did not tear up until like the very last couple of episodes of the adventure zone in that first major overall massive arc. 
but this at the end of basically every book I did. Mm -hmm. Even at the end of the very first book when the director is like, welcome to the Bureau of Balance. That that effing screen through through tears, I screenshotted that shit and it's been my background on my iPad ever since. Yeah. Yeah. It's that good. And also it's beautiful art and we love the void fish. We stand the void fish. And if you don't know what the void fish is, that's something you're going to have to figure out because it's 10 out of 10. Not mentioned in this book. Go read the first one. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) why did you decide to pick up the books? Well, I, they do advertise on their podcast. So I did hear about it that way. And I thought, that's fine. I'm not a graphic novel reader. I have several, and I picked up a few comic book day events. But it's not, I don't know why, but I'm more prone to re- picking up an Agatha Christie than a, uh, a new Dark Horse comic or something. That's fair. And <laughs> that's just not who I have ever been. We always had X-Men in the house. We always had X-Men comics and everything. I just have never truly gotten a thousand percent into it. And then a long time ago, I was like, this is kind of a lot of money for, it takes you not very long to finish that, whereas I could spend a tenth the money and get weeks out of an Agatha Christie compilation or something. But also, you know, I was telling my boyfriend, you know, the next the next volume, volume four of Adventure Zone is going to come out in a year. And he goes, a year? That takes forever. And I was like, but the the art in it is so comprehensive and beautiful and little details everywhere Mm -hmm. that yeah fuck a year shit every single page all 230 whatever pages every single one could be a background some better than most uh, others better than others but just like how a lot of like dragon ball z super personally i feel like every every 30 seconds you get a pretty good background (laughs) um and that's what all of this is and that's why it takes so long to make things happen and i'm okay with that and i see the value so anyway as you as you asked (laughs) they're advertising it i'll go balls deep there since i can't afford a train trip to chicago to listen to them do taz candle nights or something (laughs) live on stage but I still want to support them. So I picked it up. I read the first one. Great. Fantastic. Loved it. And I was like, okay, I'll get the second one. Got the second one. I've been waiting on getting the third one. Cause like I said, it was not my favorite. It was my least favorite sub arc. So I was like, I'll just wait. I'll read it before I get the fourth arc, which is my favorite, just so I can be sort of up to date and whatever. And then I got it for this podcast. I read it in two hours and well worth it a hundred percent a lot of things do not make me tear up but that entire ending i'm just looking at the screenshots now and it's just (laughs) it's just so beautiful every tiny tear looks carrie really brought the personality of this arc out and entirely i love that about it because i think i said before also not my favorite arc but getting through it and her them being able to bring little details into it really kind of tighten up the universe building. I mean, artists have so much responsibility in making worlds accessible and emotive. I mean, you're drawing the emotions, you're drawing the world, and she does such a phenomenal job. And just mad props. I'm going to buy them just to support her. If I wasn't right. enjoying the books, but I am enjoying the books. 
So why don't you tell us about the next arc? I think we've we could gush about this book forever, but oh wh- yeah, yeah. Number four, the fourth arc is your favorite. I yes. think it's my favorite too. Actually, everything after this one really kind of has a tone that is more my vibe. I'm learning, right? And uh, I will let you kind of talk about what to expect in arc four, kind of thematically, maybe. Uh, and before all of that, you know, it's before arc four. It's very loosey goosey, and you see Griffin trying to sort of play like this is high fantasy, but why are we racing cars and what's this thing? So he's trying things out and then you get to arc four and he's still trying things out, but it feels extremely pointed. Like there's a place you're going and a reason and it feels more like a mission than ever before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in this one, in the arc three gold cliff, they shoot him down there and are like, do the thing, get get it done. And this one in arc, in arc four, excuse me, in this next one, in Arc 4, for the Crystal Kingdoms, it is very specific what they need to do. There's tension. There's fear. It's set sort of in space. There's a lot of emotional scenes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hard decisions that have to be made. I really can't, I really can't, can't, can't dissolve it into a sentence. I, you, you need to listen to it. It is, whereas this one, even when you were listening to it, it was, it was fine and funny and casual and fun the next arc is fun as we've known but also with you have a time limit people will die things will happen they literally meet death Mm -hmm. um which that's not really spoiling a whole lot there's a lot more to that so don't (laughs) worry there but (laughs) i can tell you any spoiler and there's like 17 pages of context they really do start introducing grief because even at the end of arc three when there is grief it does feel a bit bittersweet maybe right it's very that kind of romance sentiment uh sad yet fulfilling because the characters end up together or something like that but in arc four uh kind of like when we were talking about critical role has consequences this is i'm not gonna say it's the first time they have consequences but it feels like they're real and it feels like the grief is real and the stress is real. And you get this just sense of like, Oh, this is real for our characters. And you feel that more so with their dad, Clint, than you do the other actors. Cause I think some of the other brothers were like, we're going to kind of go in on this. We understand what playing D and D is. Uh, and I, I think the arc four is the turning point for Clint and yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it is, and it isn't because through the entire series, the whole shebang, even at the scariest moments, he plays his character as who's supposed to be the healer. Hello, Donald Duck. Uh, he, he, he's played as being a little ditzy and he doesn't use his spell slots appropriately. And he really doesn't know what you should know to be a good healer and that's his aesthetic and that's funny and it's cool but it's sort of that feeling of the other two are having fun with it but they're also willing to swing an axe and shoot some spells and good old pop is is just sort of hanging out trying to be fun and do things and 
there is the probably one of the most memorable scenes in the entire series, which I will not spoil because it's worth it. And he bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And just to him, just to Clint, and you look at that and in that moment you go, Okay, so so it's there are consequences. There are things here that you can't do. There are you cannot just fuck around. You cannot mm-hmm. just be in this world that and I mean the entire thing is, the entire section of uh Crystal Kingdom is there are time limits and there are limits. And he did the thing and he fucked up and this is what we're going to do about it and I cannot stress this enough. You you should listen to it or pre-order it (laughs) pre-order the book for july of 21 because i am super excited for it because if i didn't i didn't enjoy as much still loved it but didn't enjoy as much pedals to the metal on audio and the, the book version made my heart soar and is miles above what i thought it could be should be was possible i want to see and i've seen some of the like the trailer versions or the little extra bits they put in there to like make you want to pre-order it. Yeah. Looks fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Looks amazing. It will be an amazing story. And you stay for the story. You come for the characters, you stay for the story and it's, it's well worth it. And I don't know how many years they're going to take to finish it up. I can't remember how many other arcs there are. Boy, howdy. It's yeah. going to be entirely amazing. Yeah. When it starts getting to the end. Oh my gosh. There are some rough scenes are coming. And I am really, really, really into it. I've, ooh, ooh, you want some feelings. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is, yeah. uh, I can't, I'm not going to spoil it. And I mean, it's hard for other people to listen to us talk about this and be able to say, you know, this is, you know, this is literally a hundreds of hours commitment. Mm-hmm. And if we, we get it, I feel it. Um, if you're taking a long trip, download that on your your Spotify. <laughs> but yeah, I listen to it really while doing is... paperwork. So <laughs> right, yeah, I listen to it while editing, and it's it's great, and it's something you can re-listen to through the whole thing. It's it's just amazing, and that's why I was I'm I got into these these graphic novels, and that's why I bought them. I bought them at full price digital for me full price and i don't do that as often usually i wait until there's a sale because i am that type of person none of my clothes cost full price that is my aesthetic <laughs> that is my existence i have never paid more than 20 dollars for a pair of jeans in my entire life and i paid full price for a graphic novel because it's that good and the previous ones were that good and the story's That's- that good and maybe I'm just gushing and you can you can pretend I, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, and I'm I, just full of it. And I'm, I'm just really excited. The, I'm letting you talk because I'm just so excited. But it is. I, it's an exciting yeah. event. And everything about it is great. Every time I I read a page and then I would look for all the little things. And it is fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Every single instance. If you read all the little scrawled text everywhere. That's a whole nother book and it's worth it. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap this up. Uh, yes. Ho- hopefully people. There's going to be a lot to cut out. <laughs> It'll be great. Jess will have a good time. She told me once she's much more bold about deleting stuff that doesn't have her voice. So. <laughs> That's fine. I hope she likes the adventures. <laughs> <laughs>
Fingers crossed. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed my wonderful friend Mitch and our conversation about the Adventure Zone. We are going to leave you on the high note of just us loving this book and hope that you are either going to listen, which is free, or read, which is the worth the experience, and also enjoy. Join us in this celebration of this story. But we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Jess, I'm sorry, girl. I'm so sorry. Okay.